on the cross, you came and broke them down. You broke them down. But there were chains around us. By your grace, we are no longer bound. No longer bound. You called me out of the grave. You called me into the light. You called my name and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Feel the darkness shaking, all the dead are coming to life, back to life, hear the song awaken, all creation singing, we're alive, cause you're alive, you called me out of the grave, you called me into the light, you called my name and then my heart came alive, your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. And what a love we found, what a love we found. Death can hold us down. We shout it out, we're alive. You're alive and what a love we found. Death can hold us down. We shout it out. We're alive because you're alive and what a love we found. Death can hold us down. We shout it out. We're alive because you're alive. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens.
Good morning, everyone. And uh, today we are broadcasting live from our church building, but we know that all of you are watching from home or elsewhere. So we want to welcome you and uh, thank you for joining us this morning. On behalf of the seven of us who are in the building this morning making this live stream possible, uh, we just want to welcome you and uh, just pray that you will have, um, th that the service today will be meaningful uh, for you and for your family. Just want to remind you of uh, just that next Sunday, January the 16th, we have extended live stream services only for one additional week uh, at this point. So next Sunday, January the 16th, will be a live stream online service again only. So please make sure that you remember that and uh, praying and hoping that by the following week, we may be able to be back inside the building together. So uh, just continue to pray for those who are part of our congregation who have, are recovering from COVID and uh, are isolating and some of them are, are not well. So let's remember them in prayer this morning. Normally at this time, I would be uh, inviting our children to head out to their kids' ministry, but of course we're not able to do that today. But we do have something a little special for you and we want you to enjoy that right now. God bless you and enjoy the rest of the service. Good morning, EPC boys and girls. I hope you have your favorite pajamas on, you're snuggling with a stuffy and a blanket, and you are all ready for the rest of church. Now, before we dive into whatever is next, I kind of want to just take a minute to say hi and to show you a really cool, awesome trick. Are you ready? And guess what? The best part is, 
We can even learn something about God's love with this trick. All right. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to show you this. It's a big bag of blue water. Now I am, there is electric stuff all over this room. If I spill this, I'm going to be in big trouble. So fingers crossed, there'll be no spilling today. Now imagine you are the blue bag. This is you. And just like every kid, we kind of had a rough start to the year. You didn't get to go back to school. You can't do sports. We're all locked in. Fingers crossed we get to do all that soon. But it kind of started rough. It kind of started with a bad day and then another bad day and then maybe some more bad days. And this is you. And sometimes we have bad days. Pretend this pencil is a bad day. Now, what do you think will happen if this pencil, I were to just stick it into this bag? Do you think I'm gonna get water everywhere and get in trouble? We're gonna have to wait and find out. I'm having a bad day. I was gonna show you a really cool science experiment where the pressure of the water Pushing against the plastic bag would cause a suction seal and there would be no water anywhere. But I did something wrong. Something didn't, didn't go right. It was a bad day. But this kind of helps us remember that God can take a bad day or a bad situation and he can use it for our good. So now I might be all wet and my science experiment might be in ruin, but it gives me this amazing opportunity to show you how we can be positive about things that don't go the way we want. We can think of the ways that God can use it for our benefit. All right, boys and girls, have a great rest of the service. See you later.
understand it. I will worship with my pain. You are God. You are worthy. You
and can bring us down and God help us to keep our eyes fixed on you and no matter what we're going through to hold on to you like the song said though I don't understand it I I don't see the way that you see I don't understand it I choose to worship you I still choose to follow you and I trust that you're going to bring good out of what might be confusing to me or painful to me. So God, help us all to, to look to you. And I do pray for your, your blessing and your comfort and your peace. Your grace, Lord God. scripture reading this morning is Psalm 13, and there are six verses in Psalm 13 that we're reading this morning. How long will you forget me, Lord? Forever? How long will you hide from me? How long must I worry and feel sad in my heart all day? How long will my enemy win over me? Lord, look at me. Answer me, my God. Tell me, or I will die. Otherwise, my enemy will say, I have won. Those against me will rejoice that I have been defeated. But I trust in your love. My heart is happy because you saved me. I sing to the Lord because he has taken care of me. When you're young, having an older brother can be a bittersweet experience. It is sweet having a big brother to look out for you, to scare off the bullies, and to protect you when you need protection. But having a big brother can be bitter when it's your big brother that becomes the bully and decides to make you suffer because, you know, with, and be the bully and makes you suffer with things like headlocks and twisted arms and wedgies 
for no other reason than how enjoyable the sport of annoying you, the younger sibling, can be. Now, I have older brothers, and there were occasions in my life when bullies ran when they found out who my older brothers were. But I want you to know I also have memories of headlocks and twisted arms and wedgies. And when that would happen, in anguish, I would scream with all of my, the strength that I could muster, Stop! Stop! Now, I want you to know the intent of my screams were twofold. First, that they would see my suffering, have mercy, and stop inflicting pain on me. However, that rarely happened. So, secondly, I hoped that my mom would hear my cries and come to my rescue. Now, I want you to know it was both frustrating and painful when neither happened as quickly as I hoped it would, and I had to endure prolonged suffering. Today, we are launching a new sermon series, which we have entitled, It's About Time. The Bible deals with the theme of time in a variety of places from a variety of perspectives. And so over the next few weeks, we are going to consider some of these themes. Today, we're going to be considering time from the perspective of hardship, specifically when time seems to keep going without any change taking place, when it seems that our cries for help are either not heard or they are ignored. Psalm 13, which I just read, is a psalm of David. We're not certain exactly what's happening when this psalm was written, whether it was when he was on the run from Saul, who was trying to kill him, or when he was running from his son Absalom, who was trying to destroy him and take his throne away, or if it was another time of difficulty that, that he was facing in his life. We really don't know what's happening in this particular psalm, but what we see here is a cry uh, for, for suffering to end for God to come and make it stop. Now, this psalm is an ideal pattern of what one who puts their trust in God experiences in times of hardship and suffering. And so today, as we make our way through this psalm, we will be reminded today that authentically expressing our emotions in the context of sincere prayer results in a new, renewed trust in God. Our scripture today consists of three sets, if you will, of two verses. And though even each one presents a separate theme, all three of these themes are connected and they lead to the final declaration of trust. So let's work our way through these themes this morning. The first is complaint. And in verses 1 and 2, we read, How long will you forget me, Lord, forever? How long will you hide from me? How long must I worry and, I, and feel sad in my heart all day? How long will my enemy win over me? First of all, it's important for us to note today that who it is that David is addressing here. He's addressing God because he feels as if God is the one who has been unfaithful, 
while he has been facing an intolerable situation. Actually, he's accusing God of forgetting about him. Not just ignoring him, but actually deliberately hiding from him when he needed God the most. His struggle, coupled with the perception that God had abandoned him and doesn't care, resulted in deep sorrow for him, resulted in worry and a desperate sense of loneliness. These two verses are an explosion of emotions. There's anger, there's desperation, grief, sorrow, fear, all found in these two verses. David is not in any way concerned with spiritual protocols or theological accuracy. He is just venting his pure emotions. Four times he asks the question, how long? How long? You see, from David's perspective, God should have intervened by now. God should have rescued him by now. But instead, he feels alone and overwhelmed. The words all day in the Hebrew language mean day and night. There's no reprieve for David. His suffering and his deep depression never stops. It affects his sleep. And so David is expressing his emotions in a form of complaint to God. Now, I am certain this morning that most of us can relate to how David is feeling in these first two verses. His words are raw emotion, and most of us on occasion, have been there too. Moments when we have felt that God has not been faithful to us as we are facing an intolerable situation for an extended period of time. Moments when we feel that God has forgotten us or is ignoring our cries for help just when we need him most. We find ourselves drowning in our sorrow, in our worries, in our sense of loneliness and isolation. Like David, sometimes we're angry. We're desperate. We're grieving deep sorrow. We're afraid. We're disappointed and we're discouraged because God should have intervened by now. The struggles of our days find their way into our nights. And sleep is broken. And we toss and we turn with worry and concern and deep, deep sorrow. And like David, we cry out to God, how long, God, how much longer will you let this go on before you intervene? I think it's important to note that Psalm 13 is an ideal example of what's known as a Jewish lament. That expressing raw emotion to God in times of suffering is not only okay and was not only acceptable within Jewish culture, but it was in fact encouraged in this culture. And not only is it encouraged, it is necessary, it is a necessary part of finding one's path to trusting in God. So in the first two verses, we see complaint. Next two verses, we see prayer. In verses 3 and 4, we read, Lord, look at me. 
Answer me, my God. Tell me or I will die. Otherwise, my enemy will say, I have won. Those against me will rejoice that I have been defeated. The first two verses are an expression of raw emotion and complaint because of what seems to be never-ending suffering. These next two verses demonstrate a shift, if you will, of focus from complaining to prayer. David has reached the conclusion that self-rescue is not possible. There's nothing he can do to change his circumstances. He is powerless. His only hope is divine intervention. His only hope is in God, whose very character, interestingly, he just spent two verses trashing and questioning. David knows that he won't make it. He can't make it if God doesn't help him. And so David's prayer reflects his emotions and his feelings. They're tied to the things he complained about. And so he cries out in his prayer to God and he says, God, look at me. Answer me. Tell me. Speak to me. Don't hide from me. Notice me, God. Pay attention to me, God. See me in my circumstances and answer me. Because David knows if God doesn't, he's not going to survive this. The enemy he refers to here, it might be a person or it could be a circumstance. But what we do know is that something is threatening to destroy him. And he doesn't want whatever this enemy is, whoever or whatever it is, to win. He doesn't want his circumstances to destroy him. When he references death here, you know, he may be referring to physically dying. However, death in Scripture is often symbolic of not surviving certain realities or failure or being overcome. He doesn't want his circumstances to, quote, defeat him. The word defeat here is an interesting word. It means to stumble under a load that is too heavy to carry. To stumble on, over, under a load that is too heavy to carry. He longs for God to lift his burden so his burden will not cause him to stumble and to fall. There's a noticeable shift at this point in the passage. As pent-up frustration is released and David begins to soften, he refers to God as my God, my God. It's personal. His relationship with God is personal. He's appealing to God on the basis of relationship. And part of relationship with God is experiencing the care and the love, the protection, and the faithfulness of God. There's a lot at stake here. The least of which, not the least of which, is his relationship with God. So he's crying out to God to hear him and to help him. Folks, it's important during times of difficulty for our complaints to God to shift to prayers to God. Prayer has a way of softening us, of reminding us that our relationship with God is indeed personal. That even though our emotions are valid, 
Our emotions sometimes keep us from seeing what we need to see and experience what we need to experience. We can't get stuck in our emotions while ignoring the need to cry out and connect with God in prayer. And so like David, prayer comes easiest when we reach the point of realizing that there is nothing we can do and we are at the mercy of God, that we won't make it if God doesn't help us. So we pray like David. And from our lips come the words, don't hide from me, God. Notice me. Pay attention to me. See me. Answer me, God. Perhaps today you're being crushed under the weight of the burden that you're carrying, that you've been carrying for a very long time. And if you are, may I remind you today of our relationship with Jesus Christ, who has invited all of us who are weary and heavy burdened to come to him, to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. May I remind us today to appeal to the promises rooted in our relationship with God, where God has promised to take care of us and to love us, protect us, be with us always, and to be faithful to us. It takes prayer. It takes prayer to shift from raw emotion to the place where we can really sincerely appeal to God for help. Thirdly, we see trust. In verses 5 and 6, we read, but I trust in your love. My heart is happy because you saved me. I sing to the Lord because he has taken care of me. The first sentence of verse 5 is powerful and is critical to rediscovering trust when burdens are seemingly too heavy to bear. The psalmist says this, but I trust in your love. Notice he doesn't say, I trust in your power or I trust in your might. He says, no, I trust in your love. When hope was fading, God's love broke into David's life and circumstances through prayer, giving him the faith to believe for the future. It's important to note that nothing Nothing had changed yet. His cries of trust were cries in the dark, anticipating and longing for light. He was anticipating that God would intervene. He was anticipating a change in his circumstances. He was expecting God's salvation to come to him. But nothing has changed yet. And then he said these words, I sing because... He, God, has taken care of me. At this very moment, David is reflecting on how God had been faithful to him, how God had taken care of him in the past. Now, again, we don't know exactly what he's referring to. Was it helping him on the occasions when the lion and the bear came and he was able to protect his sheep with God's help? Was it bringing Goliath down with a single stone from a slingshot with God's help? Was it the promise as a teenage boy that someday he would be king when he was anointed by Samuel? 
Was it God's protection over him when he was running from Saul and Absalom? Was it a victory of the many victories that he had over his enemies, countless occasions known as a warrior? Or was it all of these things? We don't know. We don't know exactly what he's referring to. But what we do know is that his trust in God in the present and in the future is tied to God's faithfulness to him in the past, and he's reflecting on that in this moment. Through prayer, he was able to navigate his emotions and and his disappointments with God. He was able to reflect on God's past goodness to him and find a way to trust God with his present and his future. When I was growing up, we used to sing a particular song a lot in church on Sundays. And it's likely that many of you have sung this song at some point as well. It's called, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Now, I must confess, until recently, I thought this song was written around the time we used to sing it, somewhere late 70s, early 80s. However, I have only recently discovered that it was written and published in 1918 by Helen H. Lemmel, who actually wrote about 500 hymns in total. The chorus goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, interestingly, this chorus doesn't focus on victory over circumstances, but rather it focuses on finding strength and peace and trust despite our circumstances. That somehow, focusing on Jesus causes the things of this earth, the things that are difficult in our lives, our circumstances, our hardships, our pain, to grow strangely dim. Helen understood this firsthand. She was the vocal music teacher at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, enjoying great success in her career and being a happily married woman. That was, of course, until she suffered an affliction that left her completely blind. Her husband couldn't cope with her blindness, so he abandoned her. Jobless and alone, she turned to Jesus like never before. And she would later write this song. I don't know about you, but I just love the irony (laughs) of a blind woman encouraging all who would sing this chorus to turn their eyes upon Jesus, to look full in his wonderful face, and the painful circumstances of life would grow strangely dim. I want you to know this morning, that wasn't just her song. It wasn't just a song. This song is her testimony. 
It was her invitation to all of us who would come after her so many years later, all of us who would struggle with our own challenges and our own hardships, to not wait for victory to look to Jesus, to turn our eyes on Jesus, but to focus on him while the hardship was happening and somehow, like she had, strangely experienced this miracle of peace and trust. We may not be able to look back on extraordinary moments in our lives like David did. Likely for us, there were no bears or lions, no giants or insecure kings or armies that we've overcome with God's help. That's likely not the things we would reflect on. But if we take the time to carefully reflect, we will be reminded of moments when God has indeed been faithful to us. Times when he was there. Times when he brought us through. I want to invite our worship team back this morning. But I want to encourage all of us, if we, like Helen, can find a way to turn our eyes upon Jesus when our world races out of control, we will find, like she did, a peace and a trust to keep going. And we just may find that the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Today we have considered time from the perspective of hardship, specifically when time seems to keep going without any change taking place. We've been reminded today that authentically expressing our emotions in the context of sincere prayer results in a renewed trust in God. Tyler is going to lead us in that chorus as we conclude our service this morning. God bless you. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the sea.
Yeah. 